0: kind of draws you in. A lot of people I know in seed, once you get bitten by the seed bug, you will probably do it the rest of your life.
1: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. It makes sense if you think about it even momentarily. Plants, landscapes, gardens, they begin with seed and they end with seed. Seeds are the alpha and omega of the plant world. The seed stage of the life cycle of a plant is the only time in a plant's life when it is fully mobile and when all of its genetic material and instructions are in one ingenious little travel pack, ready and waiting for the right conditions to set off the next cycle. As the old Welsh proverb goes, A seed hidden in the heart of an apple is an orchard invisible. If you think about this even momentarily, the importance of seed starts to become clear. With the consolidation of individual seed growers into multinational corporations, fewer and fewer seed sources and seed varieties are available to the standard market buyer. Combine that with the advent in the last 75 years of seed law, seed patents, and genetic modification of seed, and the state of the world's seed bank for habitat, for food, for utility, and for genetic diversity of the future is in flux. Today on the first half of Cultivating Place, we'll speak with Michaela Cauley, Executive Director of the Organic Seed Alliance based in Port Townsend, Washington, about the organic seed movement and the industry as it stands today. In the second half of the program, we'll hear what the organic seed movement sounds like on the ground and in action when we speak with Kaylin Redwood, co-owner farmer with her husband Cam of Redwood Seeds, a member of the Organic Seed Alliance in one of California's several regional networks of organic seed growers. Welcome, Michaela. Thank you. So tell us a little about what got you started in this work.
0: Well, when I was in my 20s and figuring out what I was going to be when I grow up, um, I found agriculture and fell in love with it. And originally, I, I started working on an organic farm in California for several years. It was a diversified organic farm. And it always seemed to me a little bit of uh, um, incongruous that we planted conventional seed. We didn't plant organic seed because it wasn't available in the marketplace. And there were a few small packet businesses that sold a little bit of organic seed. And I remember I used to bring seed catalogs to the farm owner regularly and say, oh, look at these. Maybe we could buy some of these. But, of course, garden packets are too small for a farmer to be able to plant a crop. So I uh, left the farm when I was in my mid-20s and went back to college and went to Oregon State University and studied in the Department of Crop and Soil Science and then went on and got my master's in horticulture. And after all those years of studying at the university, as I left, um, my intent was to go back and become a full-time organic farmer. And it still occurred to me that with a master's in horticulture, I never took a class in seed And so that was always kind of um, a little bit of a a gap in knowledge and, in my mind, a key part of a whole farming system that wasn't being taught to the next generation of farmers. Uh, So I went back to California and worked in organic agriculture there for a while and missed the research side. I love studying plants. I love thinking about how systems work. And an opportunity came up for me to work with a company called Seeds of Change Mm -hmm. and manage their research farm. And I knew that I I knew how to farm. uh, I knew how to do research. I didn't know the seed part, but I knew that I could learn that side from the company. And um, at the time, most seed knowledge was held by private industry. So going into that sector of industry was an avenue to fill that gap that I had always felt in in my farming experience. So I did that for a number of years and got into seed. And the more I got into it, the more uh, seed kind of draws you in. You know, a lot of people I know in seed. Once you get bitten by the seed bug, you will probably do it the rest of your life. There were also a number of. Um, regional seed companies Mm -hmm. that at that point in time, this is in the mid to late 90s, the term organic seed was not yet um, legislated in our organic rule of what farmers are are required to plant if available. That didn't happen until 2002. So there were a number of companies, including Abundant Life Seed Foundation Mm -hmm. that Organic Seed Alliance later grew out of, who were growing seed with small-scale farmers regionally and in an ecological manner.
1: Define organic seed for us.
0: So organic seed, just like any other organic crop, is simply um, seed where the seed crop was produced under certified organic practices on certified organic land. So one year of planting that seed in an organic system And saving the seed makes that seed certified organic.
1: So that brings us to the Organic Seed Alliance. Tell us a little bit about the history of its beginnings and its mission currently.
0: Well, Organic Seed Alliance uh, was founded in 2003 uh, by Matthew Dillon and John Navazio. And... um, As an organization, uh, well, let me start with our mission, just to let you know what our mission statement is. Our mission is advancing the ethical development and stewardship of agricultural seed. So by development, we mean how we uh, develop new varieties, how we um, steward existing varieties for future generations. Um, And stewardship is really how we're mindful and how we um, pass on our genetics for uh, the future generations as well as how we maintain genetics to serve organic farmers and other farmers um, to feed uh, our society. Uh, We grew out of an a nonprofit that was founded in the 1970s by Forrest Shomer, and that or, that organization was called Abundant Life Seed Foundation. And as I was mentioning before, during that early era of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was an increasing consolidation in the seed industry that was resulting in a reduction of diversity of varieties available in the marketplace and a shift toward a more industrialized model of seed production that left behind kind of the uh, on-farm seed conservation efforts of our ancestors because it used to be that, that farmers uh, grew and saved seed along with their crops. So Abundant Life was focused on uh, a, collection, a collective of farmers, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, producing seed and collectively marketing it to other like-minded farmers that wanted to buy ecologically grown seed. So it served as this marketplace for small diversified farmers to grow and sell seed. In 2002, the uh, National Organic Program implemented a new regulation that required organic farmers to plant certified organic seed in if commercially available. And that clause was included in the rule because there was a lack of supplies, we've already discussed. But what happened at that point in time was all of a sudden those farmers that were growing for abundant life, they were in market demand because seed companies who were interested in moving into the organic seed market were looking for farmers who knew how to grow seed ecologically without the use of pesticide, and many of those farmers were already certified organic. At the same point in time in history, this is one of those ironies of the, of the world, of the universe, um, we had a, a tragic fire and we lost the seed inventory of Abundant Life Seed Foundation. Mm. So that fire in, in some ways was a strong impetus to move the organization in a direction that was already um, starting to come into play and that direction was the increased need and demand for education about how we grow seed organically and how we develop crops for organic agriculture. And so this is really the focus of the mission of Organic Seed Alliance. Uh, We grew out of Abundant Life. We let go of the seed catalog. It is still in operation. Abundant Life Seed Catalog is still in existence and still has a focus on Um, offering unique and um, uh, ecologically grown seed and our organization now operates with research, education and advocacy programs that foster healthy organic seed systems. So our approach to some of those big problems you were alluding to is to think about how we create a positive alternative. We also host a biennial organic seed growers conference which is Uh, a way to convene this unique sector of agriculture uh, all in one place every other year to exchange ideas and um, share their research and develop new relationships.
1: So just to clarify, one concern about a diminishing number of kinds of seeds available from a small group of large corporate growers is a loss of genetic information and diversity making one goal of the organic seed alliance then to maintain a broad network of seed growers and savers because just on principle we don't want to lose the genetic traits of any of the seeds if we can help it
0: right that's a very good point that that genetic diversity is not only important for the farmer that plants that seed it's important for developing new varieties for the future for new environmental conditions for Um, expanding and diversifying agriculture into new regions Um, those quality traits are essentially the toolbox that a plant breeder has to breed new crops for the future and those smaller um, markets were essentially a conservation effort if you think about it a gene bank is is really taking biodiversity and saving it somewhere um, secure for a period of time that it can be held in storage Farmers growing and saving uh, seed is really a conservation effort in the field.
1: Thank you, Michaela. Absolutely. We've been speaking with Michaela Colley, Executive Director of the Organic Seed Alliance, about the history and current state of the organic seed movement in the United States. After the break, we'll return to hear from Kaylin Redwood, owner and farmer with her family of Redwood Seed, a member of the Organic Seed Alliance in Northern California. We'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. We spoke before the break with Michaela Cauley, Executive Director of the Organic Seed Alliance, about the organic seed movement generally. We're now joined by Kaylin Redwood, co-owner-farmer with her husband Cam of Redwood Seeds, a 40-acre organic seed farm nestled in the foothills of Tehama County in northeastern California. They cultivate more than 230 seed crops for the diversity of climates in their region. Redwood Seeds is a relatively new member of the Organic Seed Alliance in one of California's several regional networks of organic seed growers. Welcome, Kaylin. Hi. Good morning. So, in a lot of the information about you and Cam and the beginning of Redwood Seeds, you describe yourself as a self-taught gardener. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your personal journey to how you came to your your love and passion for plants and growing.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I would say that it it came to us in in our early twenties, and I was a student at UC Santa Cruz and. And coming to gardening was just part of um, my natural, like, awakening, you know, as many many people do in their early 20s, coming out of the stupor of being a teenager. And um, I have my worldview as expanding both politically and, and in a sense of, like, social justice and, and learning to care for the earth was part of that. And um, while I was a student, I started, I, I took a an organic gardening class my last year at uc santa cruz and then and then i met cam actually um just by chance met when i was maybe 22 and he had to go back to new zealand where where he's from but he um sent me these tree seeds from new zealand which i'll always remember there was some native tree seeds and these were really the first seeds i ever grew and like i, I grew them on my windowsill of my apartment in santa cruz and I remember being so amazed at the new life that they cultivated. And before that, I'd, I think I'd killed a bunch of houseplants, you know, so I didn't think that I had any talent for growing things. And um, and then from there, you know, Cam and I kind of went back and forth from continent to continent for, for several years, and we uh, lived together in New Zealand for a year. And while we were there, his parents, they actually kind of Granted us like a quarter acre on their on their farm for us to experiment with our wild organic gardening ideals you know and um and so we had John Jevons' book about how to grow more vegetables on less land than you'd ever imagined, and we double dug all of our beds and um you know grew our first gardens there and and really fell in love with it, you know, and uh from there we really dreamed about having land of our own, and um, everywhere we landed from there, we kind of had a garden in a different space. Um, originally, I I really thought that, originally I got interested in herbal medicine and thought that that was the, the path that I would follow. I still didn't have any idea that the seeds would be in our future. That was back in like 2002 and 2003.
1: And ultimately, you you came back to to Northern California, which was your childhood home. Yes. And you found this 40 acres. And I love this quote from you that seeds eventually really captured your imagination. And you can kind of see that seed, pardon the pun, uh, in that first um, gift from Cam. So talk about the beginning of Redwood Seeds.
2: Yeah, well, we... um like you said, we found we found our land in 2005, and it is up here in Northern California. It felt really good to come home. Um, for us, I guess seed saving really was sort of a natural progression of, of our love of just gardening, and I remember our seed collection back in those days where, you know, we had packets of things from other seed companies, but then we also had, like, little plastic baggies of things that people had given us or you know uh, seeds wrapped in paper and taped up with dubious labels of things that we'd collected off of plants we'd seen on the roadside or in other people's gardens and so you know even back then we'd started just collecting seeds and and harvesting wild seeds that we'd found and so it just seemed like a the next step to, to to include the seeds in the cycle of our garden and um in I think in 2007 <clears throat> we we certified or we um, yeah we certified organic on our farm and we actually got a couple of contracts to grow seeds on contract for Seeds of Change mm-hmm. and then for Fedco seeds as well and um, and we grew like Serrano peppers and uh, Opal purple basil um, for Seeds of Change that year. So it was 2009 that we actually started selling seeds in little packets and there was all of these kind of smaller seed companies in California starting up at the same time answering that 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 call for organic seeds in the region
1: Your work now has also really expanded even more into education and advocacy has becoming part of OSA been an effective collaboration for you on that front
2: Yeah, I I've uh, for a long time I've been Really interested in passing the the education component of of seed saving on to others. Um, you know, for the past five or six years, that's been more focused towards home gardeners, and I've taught a lot of seed saving classes in the region. Uh, and it's always been as like a seed in the back of my mind that you know this information needs to get out to people who are already farming as well that that might be interested in you know, growing more seed for their own use on their own organic farms or who might be interested in adding um, seed growing to to their diversified farm plan. And so it, it has come at the right time to, to partner with the OSA, and, and there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm right now um, in California among organic seed growers to, to pull this off, and so we've got a group of—I don't know—maybe 30 or 40 um, representatives from other organic seed farms and from smaller organic seed companies that gathered last year in 2015, and uh, with the with the mission really of you know long-term of increasing the supply and the quality of organic seed. For farmers in California and, and nationwide as well.
1: It seems like one of the exciting aspects of the OSA and its regional and national networks lies in the ability for shared information and shared resources, which runs so counter to the privileged information stance of the multinational seed industry.
2: Yeah, definitely. It, it was so inspiring last year when we gathered um, for this California Organic Seed Summit in Sacramento. Um, to be in the same room with representatives from five or six other seed companies as well as seed growers as well as people who are just kind of on more of an activist level um, to share information and to to share techniques and to even share in in some aspects like financial information like how much do you pay for these crops, these contracts, and, um, you know, what kinds of equipment do you find to be the most useful for cleaning, you know, basil seed, et cetera? Um, and, and in general, there's a lot of excitement about that. I think that there's a sentiment among all of us who gathered that that to grow the movement, we do need to be open with each other and that um, we're really gathering in a spirit of cooperation rather than competition. Yeah, part of what we've done uh, with this group... Um, is that within the Organic Seed Alliance, um, actually some grant money has been secured to help us fund this project for the next couple of years and as part of that, we're starting out um, by hosting a workshop on April 10th and the real goal of that is to um, target people who are already farming or you know beginning farmers as well who want to get into commercial seed production. And so, in the past, a lot of the workshops I've been involved in have been more for home gardeners, but this is really targeting people who want to produce seed on a commercial level, um, you know, either for other seed companies and doing, like, a contract basis or producing seed for their own farm production, you know, where they can actually, um, you know, have their own farm varieties and breed for their own climate circumstances. And so... In this, this is going to be a one-day workshop, and topics of instruction will include um, seed production biology, the hands-on seed harvesting and cleaning, choosing appropriate seed crops for your system, uh, managing the population size and isolation distances, conducting variety trials, which is a huge uh, part of, of seed growing, um, and also like basic on-farm breeding tonight- techniques, And then also a a part about the seed production economics and just finding markets for your seed.
1: So describe what's happening on the farm right now.
2: So right now we have our winter garden is full of of brassica crops. We have everything from um, bok choy to arugula, and we have a big cabbage trial going on where we're growing seven or eight different varieties of cabbage um, to overwinter them and see which ones head up nicely and would go to seed. We're not going to actually let them go to seed this year, but it's more of a trial to see um, which varieties perform well for us mm-hmm. at, at our elevation. And then perhaps we would choose one of those varieties to grow for seed next year. Um, and then we also have a turnip trial going on this year, which is a trial of Japanese, um, Japanese salad turnips, which are these, so tasty, uh, totally delicious, white turnip, and with really delicious greens, too. So we've grown out the hybrid variety this year, the Hackeray, um, which is kind of the standard hybrid that most farmers would use. And then we're trialing that against three open-pollinated varieties, which are open-pollinated means that we could actually save seed from the open-pollinated varieties, where the hybrid we can't save seed from. And so we're looking to see which open pollinated variety, um, you know, is similar to the hybrid. Mm -hmm. And so that's an exciting, I guess I I really love the brassicas, especially when they go to flower in the spring. Um, They're just so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's really nice about planting brassica crops is that you can plant them in the fall. So we plant them in early fall, like in September, and then they overwinter in our garden. And then They'll go to seed kind of in early spring, probably in February and March. We'll start seeing things go to seed in our garden.
1: And then you start all over again from seed to seed. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kaylin. Kaylin Redwood is the owner with her husband Cam of Redwood Seeds, an organic seed company in Tehama County in northeastern California, and an active member of the Organic Seed Alliance based in port Townsend, Washington, working to advance the ethical development and stewardship of the genetic resources of agricultural seed. Interested in trying your hand at saving seeds from your garden this summer? Kaelin suggests starting with peas, beans, tomatoes, and lettuces. Let us know how it goes. For more information on the Organic Seed Alliance and growers or events such as the Workshop for Seed Growers mentioned by Kaelin being held in Reading on April 10th or others in your region, go to seedalliance.org. And thank you so much for listening. Join me again next week as our conversation continues with Deborah coons garcia writer, director, and producer of the full-length documentary Symphony of the Soil, a feature presentation at this year's CSU Chico's This Way to Sustainability Conference. If seed is the beginning and end of all plant life, soil is the place that most seeds call home. It's a very important place for all of us to cultivate consciously. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Matt Schultz. Podcasts and photos of the Organic Seed Alliance's Seed Conference held this past February and many seasonal photos of redwood seeds can be found now at MyNSPR.org. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.